Well, hey, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 25, which is crazy, right? We made it to episode 25, which is awesome. And uh, it's because of you guys, because you guys are submitting questions and you're, you're really digging the show and you're leaving iTunes reviews and you're letting me know how you, how you like the show. And that's really what drives me moving forward doing this podcast. Now, I'm going to also talk about today a couple of things that we've done and that we're going to be doing. And the first thing is, is this show today is going to be a Q&A session. Okay, we're going to call it, you've guessed it, Ask Scott. Okay, so it's questions that you guys have asked me, and I'm going to go ahead and answer them. Uh, and I'm going to try to do these once a week, where I answer four to five questions, and I'm going to try to do them on a Friday. So I'm going to release them on a Friday, so you'll have Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to listen to them. Okay, and again, you're always welcome to uh, submit your questions, and you can do that by heading over to theamazingseller.com forward slash. Ask and you can go over there and either leave a comment or a voicemail. Now I have to be honest, the voicemails are they're piling in and or they're coming in and they're piling up. So it's really becoming a challenge to answer everyone's questions and the comments. So bear with me. I will try to answer the questions one on one, but if I can't, I'll definitely try to get them into an episode. All right. So that's the first thing. We're going to do a Q and A session starting with today, and uh, we're going to try to do them on Friday for a Friday release. Okay. So we're going to answer all of those. Those questions. The other thing I did want to mention is that um, we just created a Facebook group, okay, for the Amazing Seller Podcast, okay, so we can pick up the conversation and uh, and keep discussing it over there. Now, I will say that uh, by going over there, you're going to be able to connect with other people that are either just selling or are, have been selling or are even a higher level seller, and it's there for you. I'm not going to be able to be active every single hour, every single minute, okay, so I I just want to put that right out there. I'm creating this for you so this way here we can all talk together collectively. So if you want to go over and join that group, just head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash FB, okay? F is in Frank, B is in boy, okay? And just go over there. You're going to go to the page. You'll have to send a request and then I'll go ahead and approve it. It may take a few hours before you get approved and uh, and then from there you'll be inside the group, okay? And then we can start picking up the conversation. The other thing I wanted to mention was if you're just starting and you haven't even listened to the past episodes or you're just finding this podcast for the very first time, you're going to want to head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash start. And I've put together a nice little page there for you that kind of goes through my process when I first started and what I'm currently doing when I release a product and and all that good stuff. So you're going to want to head over there. And the last thing I want to mention here is I just want to say thank you so much for all the positive comments, feedback, emails, all of the support that you guys are are giving me for doing this. And it really does motivate me to want to keep going and doing more of these. Okay. This is just, it's been an awesome journey so far for me, just creating this stuff, but also connecting with other sellers, doing these interviews and just really hearing from you. And I want to read one review like I always do from the iTunes uh, directory, and I just wanted to read this, and it actually, it blew my mind when I read this, and I'll just let it speak for itself, okay? So uh, the review was from Finch Puppy, okay? And it was a five-star review, and it says, where has this information been all my life? I do not usually leave reviews, but Scott is amazing. He is like sitting down with an old friend and learning from that friend at the same time. I'm just starting an FBA and was looking for podcasts to help guide me. I found the Amazing Seller podcast and was floored to find out it was Scott. Years ago when I began my photography business, I followed his teachings through New Portrait Biz, his website at the time. 
Imagine my surprise and happiness to hear his voice again, helping guide me on the next entrepreneurial adventure. Scott, keep up the great work, and I hope to to be following in your footsteps soon. All entrepreneurs need to listen to this podcast. So much information, you won't be disappointed. Heather. Now, I don't know who Heather is right now, and Heather, if you're listening to this, maybe you can reach out and email me and let me know because... New Portrait Biz is still is still thriving. It's still doing well, and I'm, I still run that uh, website. Uh, it's my information products for uh, photography business. Now, I don't do as much as I used to. I've kind of like niched it down a little bit further, but it's still going. So, just to let you know that. But hey, thank you so much for reaching out. It, I just really do appreciate you doing that, and uh, it means a lot that uh, it's kind of come full circle, right? I mean, our entrepreneurial journey is always changing, usually, and uh, I'm just glad to be there for you. So, with that all being said. What do you say? Let's jump into these questions that you submitted, and I'm going to go ahead and give you my answers. So here is the first question. Hey, Scott. Um, my name is Victor, and first, I just wanted to say thanks for uh, putting this podcast together and um, just spitting out all this good information for us all. Um, I did have a question. I recently took one of your pieces of advice and went ahead and signed up on Thomason. And um, I got some products out to people, and I haven't heard anything back yet, but that's probably just because um, they haven't even gotten their product yet at this point. But my question to you is, um, let's say I wanted to keep this Thomason thing going. Um, In the future, how do I kind of siphon out the good bloggers versus the, uh, you know, I I don't want to say bad bloggers, but more effective bloggers versus the kind of more non-effective bloggers or the bloggers that don't really care, the ones that are just kind of um, looking for free stuff. How do I siphon them out? Um, if you can give me any advice on that, um, I think that would that would kind of help a lot. All right, thanks. Hey, Victor, thank you so much for the question. It's actually a really good question, and uh, I'll try to shed some light on it for you because I have some mixed feelings with Thomason as well. Now, if you're listening for the first time and you don't know what Thomason is, it's basically a review uh, platform for bloggers. Okay, bloggers will uh, they'll submit their, their site to this directory, and what it does is it goes out then and it finds or when you submit a product that you want review, it'll find bloggers that want to review products. And then what they'll do is they'll do a review, they'll take pictures, they'll do a write-up on their blog about your product, okay, and they'll give you an honest review. And then they'll also usually, they don't have to, but they'll usually go over to Amazon, if it's in your instructions, to leave you a review, an honest review, and they'll state it in there that they received it either at a discount or for free, to do a review on the product, okay? And I'm going to explain a little bit about why that's okay to even have that in there because some people, they're like, well, I don't want that in there because it looks like I gave away product and it doesn't look legit, but I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But that's basically what Thomason is. I, I do like the idea and the concept, and there's some other spinoffs of that service out there, which I haven't tried, so I don't want to really talk about them, uh, but I have tried Thomas, and I tried it once, and I probably will do it again in the future, uh, just not sure how I'll use it, but to answer your question, uh, 
in the beginning when you're doing a launch, you know, don't expect really to go there depending on your product and, you know, give away a hundred units like, you know, the snap of, of your fingers. That's probably not going to work. What happened for me is I submitted my product and I had about, well, I had probably about 70 to 80 people or blog owners uh, want to review the product. But what's nice about it is you get to pick and choose who you want to review your product. So you can look at all of their, all of their past uh, reviews. You can see their blog. You can see their social presence, all of that stuff. And, and Thomason does give you some, some cool little ratings inside that allow you to kind of pick and choose. But to answer your question, Victor, is, you know, you really kind of got to do your own research in the beginning while you're, you know, approving these, uh, you know, these bloggers. But in the beginning, it really doesn't matter too much because really what you're after is getting an honest review all the way back on Amazon, okay? Yes, you want it on their blog because that's great because it has a link pointing over, but you really want them to leave that review. And in the beginning, some people are saying, well, you know, if I get reviews and they they state that in there, they're not as credible. It's just to kind of get the ball rolling. So this way, when you start to promote that product with Amazon pay-per-click, then you're going to show the stars, right? You're going to show the reviews. And then pretty soon, you're going to start getting organic reviews that are going to almost like push those reviews to the bottom. So in the beginning, it's okay to have that in there. And if you want, you know, out of like for me, for me personally, I had about 35 people review the product. And out of those 35, there's probably about 10 or maybe 15 that I would want to review it another product in the future. So what you can do is you can just keep their emails because when you when you go back and forth with them, you're, 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 you can go through Thomason, but a lot of people will uh, give you their email address so you can communicate that way so you can give them the coupon code and stuff. So really, you're going to have to kind of do that yourself. Um, Thomason does give you their ratings, like how many uh, products that they've reviewed, but then also how many they've completed, you know, because someone might get the product for free but then they'll never write the review. So now that person gets a strike against them and then their score starts to go down. It's almost like Amazon in a sense. You're giving them a review as to how they perform in this you know, this review platform. Uh, so um, that's really my take on it. You know, don't use that as as the uh, the only promotion that you're going to do, but it will get the ball rolling, uh, and it will start to generate some sales, which the sales will spike the BSR, which will then increase your you know your rankings. But also, it'll get those initial reviews in the beginning without even really needing to know anyone personally. Because what I always tell people is, when you're first starting, you want to get those reviews as quick as possible. I mean, organically, but like ten or fifteen before you start your pay per click, and Thomason can really work like that. And you're right. You have to wait for them to get the product because if they left a review before they even got the product, that's going to be a red flag to Amazon. So it takes a little bit of time because they have to get the product. They have to review it. So that's why I always tell people to get everything ready. So this way here, when you're ready with your product and your listing and you're ready to, to click go or click start, uh, you know, it's, you can start getting these things going quick. Okay, and like I said in the beginning, it might be as simple as finding 10 of your, you know, close friends or family members and physically handing them the item and saying, here, do a review on this, you know, see what you like about it, what you don't like about it, whatever, leave me an honest review. And then they're supposed to also disclose in there that it's been an honest review. Now, if they don't disclose it, there's nothing you can really do. It's going to be an unverified review for people that you personally know that you didn't ship an item to, but it's still valuable because in the beginning, you're just trying to get those little stars to show up, right? So this way here, it's like social proof when you start to run your pay-per-click, all right? So I hope that's answered your question, Victor. Uh, it, it is a... It is a, a 
it is a great resource to use. Um, as far as paying, I think it's like a hundred bucks a month for it. I'm not sure it's worth that. So maybe just test it for yourself. Unless you see that your product is in the a space where you know uh, mommy bloggers are, you know, maybe it's a cooking, uh, you know, utensil or something. I don't know. Uh, and maybe it, it would it would be a big hit there. Um, for my particular product, it wasn't that big of a hit, so it didn't work. So you kind of got to you know see how that would work. But for a hundred bucks a month, I think you can have like a hundred a hundred bloggers review a product. It's kind of expensive, uh, but. If you want to get the ball rolling, sometimes that's what you got to do is spend a little bit of money. But I would test it first. They give you a 30-day trial, I believe. So that's thomason.com, and I'll leave that in the show notes if you don't uh, if you don't have the link or you don't know how it's spelled or whatever. So anyway, uh, and this episode is number 25, so it'll be theamazingseller.com forward slash 25, and uh, all the show notes for this will be there. All right, so let's move on to the next question and uh, see what we are going to answer next. Hey, Scott, it's James. Your podcast couldn't have come at a more perfect time in my life. I've just started the picking and reselling game, and I'm already ready to graduate from that into something a little more professional. I think I've chosen which niche I want to market to, but I'm not sure where I should go from there. The niche has a pretty big prosumer market. I don't want to give it up, so I'll go with your garlic press example. Would you suggest starting at a cheaper garlic press for the at-home cook, but that no chef worth his salt would touch? Or would you start with like a high-quality stand mixer that might be a little more expensive, a little longer tail, but would lend a little more credibility to my brand? In other words, should I go for the low-hanging fruit or start marketing to folks who are a little more savvy from the get-go? Thanks a lot for taking my question, and I look forward to hearing your answer. Hey, James, thank you so much for the question, and it's a great question, and I've got a good answer, I think, okay? And this is, again, my personal preference. If we're sitting down, you and I having a cup of coffee and you're asking me this question, this is going to be my answer. I would personally, number one, you got to look at your numbers, right? Is there a market for a pro, uh, you know, a prosumer where, you know, you're, you know, you're uh, in making a living with this utensil or is there, is there a, a larger market for the consumer? Okay. The person that just likes to cook in their kitchen every single night, right? I personally think it's going to be that market. But I don't know. You could have a really big market in the professional chef, right? That that wants this high end garlic press, let's call it, right? So uh, my personal thing is, is I like going at consumer products because there's more of them usually, okay? And you can also again tell just by looking at other products, right? So do the exact thing that I mentioned in the product selection. Uh, episode, okay, which is episode, I believe, number four, and then, you know, basically just do the exact same thing. You have to look at the numbers to see if something is already selling, all right, and like I said, me personally, I think going after that market first, now, again, let's keep in mind here, you could always have a home version model, right, for the consumer, for the the person that just likes to cook on the weekends, right, or maybe during the week or whatever, right, you get what I'm saying, and then you can also have a deluxe one that's catered more towards the, you know, the pro, right, the the person that makes a living with this particular tool or this particular item, so I would start personally at the low-hanging fruit. I would go after where the numbers were, where the volume was, but I would make that a really, really high-quality product for a consumer, 
okay, for someone that's just using it on a day-to-day basis. And, and you might want to say, you know, you might want to put in there that it's, it's uh, you know, industrial grade, right, where you, people know that it's going to be made a little better. But then you can have one even better than that that's going to be, you know, a true, like, chef's uh, utensil, right, or whatever the item is, right? So I would definitely say I would go after the low-hanging fruit first to kind of get that velocity going and get that momentum going. And then from there, you're going to be able to get sales, I feel, easier and get that ball moving. And then you can always branch off of that and then have you know that other product that's selling for a higher margin. The other thing is, is it's going to cost you less in the beginning to order inventory, right? Because the price of that's probably going to be less. I mean, even if something, like if you're just getting started and you're looking at something that's, you know, $5 to manufacture, but you're looking at the pro one's going to be $10. That's going to double your cost. And, and it's going to be maybe harder to sell that because it is at a higher cost. And I just kind of want to kind of go back a little bit and just, I mean, if people are just tuning in for the first time or maybe just a little, uh, you know, a little recap, but it's going to be easier to sell something at the 20 to $30 range than the really even the 35 to $50 range. It just, it just is, uh, it's less thought has to go into it. Um, it's, it's a psychological thing. I mean, we all do it. Uh, but you know, I would like to stay in the beginning between the 20 and $35 mark uh, as much as 40 possibly, but 20 to 35, I think would be the sweet spot. And I think your margins could be really, really good. Now, if you have something that's a deluxe, that's going to be $59, that might be the second or third or maybe fourth product, okay? But once you have that base and that velocity in your seller's account, in your channel, uh, or your, you know, kind of like your home base, right? When you start getting this good seller feedback and you start building out that channel, then to rank that other one, it's going to be easier as well because you're going to have a little bit of a history. So that's my long answer to to that question. I could have probably summed it up with a sentence, but uh, I just wanted to explain a little bit of my thought process behind it and what I would be thinking. All right. So with that being said, let's move on to the next question. Hey, Scott, this is Fred Bohm here. Got a quick question for you on how you approach using your Amazon seller account um, with your individual brands. So for instance, I have a, uh, a Amazon seller account called H&F uh, Commonplace, but then I created a brand called Sage and Breaker Mercantile, which I sell a product um, under that H&F Commonplace seller account. I'm just curious how you approach this with your individual brands, uh, if you create an individual seller account per brand, or if you just have a seller account that uh, is the umbrella company to all the individual brands. i uh, love to hear what you have to say about it. Thanks so much. Hey, Fred, thanks for the question. Great question, by the way. And uh, it's one I've gotten asked numerous times, so I think it's going to be very, very helpful for a lot of you. Uh, My personal take on this is you want a generic brand, but you don't want to go too broad. And what I mean by that is you don't want something where you're selling uh, a basketball on one listing under a certain brand, right? And then on the other brand under the same seller account, then you're selling a garlic press. Like those two to me are totally opposite, 
But if you were doing something in, let's say, the kitchen space, uh, then you could have something that was a generic one, but you could co- you could cover a whole bunch of things in the kitchen space, right? And, and you could form different brands. I'm doing kind of like the air quotes. Uh, you know, you could you could you know create different brands for specific items in the kitchen. Okay, uh, so. This way here, you're not too fragmented, but if you were going to do something completely different, like something that was going to to sell like, like I'm just going to use that example, basketballs, footballs, baseballs, uh, you know, um, lacrosse balls, you know, all of these different ones. And then you were going to do, you know, lacrosse sticks, and then you were going to do hockey sticks, and then you were going to do baseball bats and all of this stuff. You wouldn't want to have that stuff underneath the same umbrella, the same main seller account as a kitchen supply brand. Um, that's just me personally. I like to keep things, you know, kind of, you know, uh, you know, synergistic. So this way here, it's not too much all over the place. Now, if you wanted to totally go into another brand, uh, what you would have to do, and I haven't done this, I'm just explaining what I have heard and what I I actually I did reach out because I was thinking about doing a different brand um, underneath someone else because it's a little tricky. They don't just let you create another seller's account. They don't want to. They want you to have one seller's account. But what I've been told is if you contact them and say that you want to create another one, let's say your wife wanted to have a brand and you wanted to have a brand and they were completely opposite. Um, I've heard that if you explain the situation that they will allow you to do that. But be very careful not to just assume that they'll do it and go ahead and try to create that using another credit card and a bank account and all that stuff because what could happen is if they find that out and then uh, you've done something wrong, they could just you know shut both of those accounts down, those brands, and then you're, you're done. Uh, so really, you want to just contact the Amazon uh, seller support. I have to say, the seller support has, is night and day to what I've uh, experienced in the past with like eBay or even like Facebook. Like Facebook, I tried to contact them on an ad that I was running that had complaints about, you know, from them, not even from a person, but from them, they, they said that I was violating a, a term and I didn't even know what I was doing wrong. And I could come to find out it was, uh, you know, it was the image that I had in there, uh, you know, had, uh, or had too much text on the image. So it was the 80, 20%, but they didn't tell me that. And that's before they had, like, now they have that where it comes out and tells you that, but they wouldn't come out and tell you. Um, Amazon will tell you almost exactly what they want you to do. And then this way here, you also have like a little paper trail. So this way here, if there was ever an issue, they could say, or you could say, well, I talked to you over here. I've got record of it in my seller's account because they keep a whole record of all of your interactions, which is great. And then you can kind of come back to that. So a little side note there, just you always want to be safe. Um, and in the beginning, I wouldn't I wouldn't focus on two brands right away anyway. I'd focus on getting one brand built out. You know, I would do it horizontally and vertically, uh, meaning, you know, I would create that one brand, but I would create products that would, you know, kind of go horizontally where they, they could be, you know, cross-promoted, but then I would also have ones that could be additionally uh, upsold to uh, to a product that would help the product that they just bought. I know, a little confusing, but but that's what I would do. I would be worrying about that, which is, that's exactly what I'm doing right now. Um, now, I do have in the back of my mind, you know, probably not 2015, maybe 2016, of possibly doing another brand uh, and possibly under someone else, not myself, okay, and just using their account as the base of that brand. Um, but that's a whole nother topic, a whole nother thing. So, um, but that's what I would personally do. So to answer your question 
quickly, it would be to stick with one brand, yes, an umbrella brand, and then have you could have multiple brands selling uh, certain items in that space, but keep it kind of tight, right? Keep it together. So I hope that's answered your question, and uh, thanks a lot for submitting it. So let's go ahead and move on to the next question. Hey, Scott, this is Harvey calling. Thanks a lot for the great resource. I'm learning a lot listening to your podcasts, and uh, I'm getting ready to to launch my first product on Amazon. I'm getting ready to uh, do promotion, free giveaways, and, and things like that. But I'm noticing that Amazon's starting to remove some of these reviews. I'm wondering how effective this is going to be as a strategy, giving away free product. And secondly, the most important thing to me is if I'm giving away a free product, hypothetically speaking, it's not really a sale. But if Amazon is counting it as a sale, well, that's great because that's what we're looking for, right? Sales. I'm just wondering if this strategy is going to last too much longer or is Amazon going to start wising up and figuring out, hey, if you're giving away a promo code or you're giving away the park for free, it's not really a sale. So um, just wondering what your thoughts are on that and uh, hopefully get uh, some of the people to chime in on that one. Thanks. Hey, Harvey, great question too. And I've wanted to answer this one for a while because I've seen some discussion about this in various Facebook groups and stuff. And uh, I, I think everyone's missing the point, okay? The promotion and getting the reviews to me is just a little launch pad, okay? It's, it's something to allow the listing to get some push, okay? Those reviews that you're getting I want you to almost pretend that the reviews that you're getting are short-term and they're going to go away in 30 days. Just pretend they're going to go away, okay? And I'm not saying that to get these, uh, you know, and pay for these reviews um, black hat ways, right? I'm saying doing it the traditional way right now that that most businesses are doing it that are following this type of model, okay? And what, what I mean by that is, and if you're just tuning in, is basically the way it works is, you know, you go to... It could be a Facebook group where they're saying like, hey, we've got people that want to review your products or even a place like Thomason, which we've already talked about, okay? And what you're doing is you're saying, I'm willing to give the product to someone for free to give me an honest review, okay? I'm not paying them. Now, let me just clarify that. You never pay for someone to to receive your product, okay? That's a no-no, okay? That we know. But you can give it to them for free or you can give it to them for a discount, maybe $1.95 or $2.95, but they have to disclose that in their review. And what people are saying is, well, it, pretty soon Amazon is going to start looking at these as promotions that they're not true sales and any review that came in from that, they're going to get rid of them, okay? And that might be true, okay? It may be true. So if you're if you're just basing all of your review efforts on on you know, basically allowing people to try your product for free or for a discount and then getting those reviews and hoping that all of those reviews uh, are going to stick and then that's going to be your base of reviews, you're probably setting yourself up for failure, okay? And and I don't hear anyone talking about it this way, but it's the truth. What you want to do, and that's why I've spoke about how I'm getting my reviews organically once the sales start to go, the sales velocity starts, right? You start getting sales, and then from there, my email sequence kicks in because every sale basically triggers it like a funnel. 
Like some of you may be around the internet marketing space and you hear everyone saying, you know, talking about building a funnel and getting people in. And then from once you get them in, then you drop them into a, you know, a sequence. And then from there you upsell them and cross sell them and all that stuff. It's similar in the same, in the sense that you're once someone uh, goes ahead and they, they click uh, to buy the product and they pay for the product. And then they start the, through that process through Amazon. It automatically turns on a switch and you receive email one, email two, email three. And I create these. And I've talked about this in uh, in a podcast in the past. And that particular episode is theamazingseller.com forward slash email. Just go to that one and then you'll see that particular podcast. And I even gave my templates that I use and really how I go about getting feedback. And then I go after the reviews. But that's a whole other topic that we've already talked about, which we'll probably talk about it again uh, because it's so important. But here's the thing. You, you need to look at the the first time that you're doing these types of promotions is to spike your algorithm or spell, spike the algorithm, the BSR, to where it shoots you up in the ranks. Uh, so where you can, you can get a better BSR. Okay. And then you're also going to start ranking for keywords. Now, once you get to the first or second page, you're going to start getting sales organically. Well, what's going to happen if you have your little, your auto sequence in place that I talk about, it's going to trip every time that someone buys right organically. And then what's it going to do? It's going to send them through the same feedback and the review sequence. And then you're going to start getting organic reviews. So let's say you start getting 10 sales a day, and let's say out of those 10 sales, you get one review. Well, if you sell 100 products, you're going to have 10 reviews organically that are never going to go away, right? But the ones that you might have paid to have you know, someone review, not have them review, but you paid for a service to allow them to give your product away for free, um, those 10 that are below that might go away, okay? And that's just... That's just what it is. It might happen. Who knows? So if you're banking on that and you're expecting those to stay, then I say, don't do it, okay? Because it very well could go away. It's kind of like, uh, and I've talked about this before, uh, you know, years ago, you know, you had a website and in order to get it ranked in Google, you had to get a bunch of links from external websites, from different websites all over, wherever you could, and then you would have links pointing to your website, and then Google would say, oh boy, this is a popular blog. We should rank it. Let's rank it. So people were manipulating that. They were building their own blog networks. They were doing all of this stuff. Well, guess what happened? They were getting tons of traffic. They were making tons of money, and then all of a sudden, Google put out a uh, update, a, a Google slack, slap as they call it, and then the next day, overnight, all their rankings were gone. All of their earnings were gone. They're done. And all those backlinks they built were no longer good. And it's the same idea with this. Is Amazon going to catch on to this? Probably eventually. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what they'll do. Um, maybe they just won't give your listing as much juice. I, I don't know what it is. But I do know that you should be thinking about building it organically. And the way that you can kind of push the needle a little bit is to do a promotion and then get those reviews and then that'll help to start your organic sales process, okay? And don't overlook, you know, doing pay-per-click and getting sales is an organic sale pretty much, right? And what I mean by that is is you didn't pay for a review or you didn't pay a service to give your product away. You paid Amazon to show your listing in front of a keyword that someone's searching for, and then you made a sale. So that's just as good as an organic sale that you didn't pay for. Okay, so I hope that makes sense. So here's my here's my my suggestion for anyone out there, and you, Harvey, is yes, I think it's 
it's important to do this, okay? Because it's going to get the ball rolling. But then you need to have that other stuff in place to get those reviews coming in organically. So when you start getting those organic sales, you're going to start getting real reviews. I don't mean like the other ones are fake. I mean ones that are that are going to stick, okay? That's what I mean. So uh, I hope that's answered your question. I know it was a little bit of a tangent, but it kind of drives me crazy when I hear this because people are all up in arms about it. And you know they shouldn't be banking on these reviews sticking. Just bank on them sticking for a little while so you can get the velocity going. And then if they go away, they go away, okay? And and don't lose sleep over it, okay? So that's that question. Let's go ahead and move on to one more question. Hey, Scott. My name is Ben. Just wanted to say I love the show so far. It's been adding a lot of value, and I really appreciate all the information you're putting out there. I had a quick question for you regarding freight forwarding and getting the product to the United States uh, I've heard from a lot of people that they use freight forwarding companies. I know that's what Ryan Moran and a lot of others have done. But I heard you saying that you had the product shipped straight to your home. So I was wondering if you could elaborate on that a little bit. Um, is the customs process, do you deal with that on your own then? Um, and is it pretty straightforward? And I guess why did you decide to do that versus going through a freight forwarding company? Uh, thanks again. Really appreciate everything you're doing. Hey, Ben, thank you so much for the question. It's a great question, and I've answered this before. Maybe it was on the blog or whatever, but I'll probably answer it again because uh, it's it's definitely important. And you mentioned um, Ryan Moran as well, not um, or he was using ship, but if you listened to him speak, he also said if he was to do it again, he would move away from that. He would pick a product that didn't need to be shipped by boat. Very, very important that you pick out that piece of what he had said, uh, because the thing is with with C, okay, when you have stuff shipped on a boat and then you have a freight forwarder, it adds a lot more complexity to it. And I know I'll probably get some emails from people or some comments or whatever, and that's fine. If it works for you, great. But here's the thing. It's going to definitely complicate things. There was someone in uh, one of the Facebook groups, and he was having a hell of a time uh, with a freight forwarder. They might have wrote something down wrong, and then he needed to have an EIN number, which he hadn't had already, which I do recommend that you have, by the way. Uh, And, you know, he just got all jammed up where he had to go round and round and, 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 you know, and call the freight forwarder company, and they were all messed up, and then they had to contact Amazon, and it was just a mess. And not to mention, when you go by boat, it's going to add an additional 30 to 35 days to your order, okay? So it's just, there's a lot more moving parts, and it to me, it's also going to bring up more of a red flag for customs because now there's going to be some customs things that has to be in place, and you are responsible for that. Yes, your freight forwarder will take care of it, but you're responsible for that. So whenever you're going to start creating huge shipments, okay, that are going to require boat, it's going to definitely uh, bring up some some more issues for you. So me personally, and, and I've talked about this before, it's really, really simple. And I just learned a valuable lesson the other day, and I'm going to do a show on this, but I'll briefly touch on it. Uh, but I've been shipping by air, DHL, from China to my home office in about three days, okay? And I build that cost into the price, okay? And that's how I do it. So then it comes here, and once it comes here, I go ahead and I print out my FBA shipment labels, I put them on the boxes, and I bring them to my UPS uh, dealer, and then from there, off they go. And then it takes about, depending on where it's going, because they do split up the order a lot of times to two or three different locations, depending on how much you're shipping, and uh, and. I think it takes about an extra, it's 
it depends. If it's going across the country, it could take up to six days. If it's only going, because a lot of times they'll do one close and one further away, they split it up that way. Um, and then sometimes it'll, it'll be there in two days. Uh, so I do it only that way, and I'll only do it that way as far as I can see right now. Now, the one thing I did learn is uh, I had a shipment. I started to increase it. I started, and you guys all probably know, I started my very first shipment with 1,000 units. And some of you are like, well, I only want to start with 500. That's fine. My second product I did with 500. I'm kind of regretting it because I needed to order again, and now I got to wait 30 days to get them. So I kind of I have to slow down my promotional strategy until I get that next 500, at least in route. Uh, so that's a whole nother topic, which we'll talk about. Uh, but um, yeah, so I started with a thousand units, and the next order I might have did a thousand again, and then after that I moved it to fifteen hundred, and then from there I went right to two thousand units, and they shipped them all together, right, like forty different boxes. Well, what happened was because it was such a large order, a large size, and the amount of the order went up. Uh, and my supplier made a mistake and they put in my shipping cost into the total cost because your customs fee a lot of times will be based off of the amount that the product is worth or that you paid for. So if you paid $5 a unit, right, and you've got a thousand units, right, that's going to be $5,000 worth, okay? But what happened was my supplier also included my shipment order on the $5. So, or she included the $5 as my shipment. So really my product might've only cost $1.50 and my shipping might've cost $3.50, right? I don't think that was the number, but it's, you, know, you get what I'm saying. So that drove up the, the, the price of the order. So because of that, I paid customs tax on a higher or a higher uh, price. And because I went over like a $2,500 you know, order size or order amount, it also paused it and another customs station had to view it. So my takeaway here to you is to try to keep your orders under $2,500 in value, if you can, coming from DHL. The beautiful thing with DHL, and I don't know about FedEx, I haven't used them yet, um, I haven't used UPS, but, but DHL, they handle all the custom stuff, which is great. So my order got held up at customs for a day, they contacted me by phone and by email, I talked to a rep, very friendly, she just needed a couple of different uh, things, uh, a couple of different, uh, she needed my EIN number and she also needed um the uh, or a little bit more of the of the description of the description of what the item was and uh and then from there I gave that to her and the next day it was all released but I also paid a higher customs fee I paid 10% versus a 4% all right so I paid that much more long story short cost me about $1080 uh for that one little mistake when normally it would cost me three four hundred dollars okay so it cost me more money I learned a lesson and uh you know, hey, that's that's how you do it. But to answer your question, I stay away from boat myself personally. I stay away from freight forwarders right now. Uh, everything seems to be working fine for me. Uh, but again, you know, if something changes, I will let everyone know. But that's my advice to you and to anyone listening that's thinking about going boat, especially when you're first starting. I mean, you've got so many other things to think about other than coordinating freight forwarding stuff. And you might think, well, I hire a freight forwarder; they're going to take care of everything. I haven't heard that that's the case all the time, okay? I've heard some nightmare stories. I got one friend of mine who had an order that was held up at the freight forwarding place because the freight forwarding place was having problems with their finances, 
and talking about bankruptcy and stuff. So their stuff was like they couldn't pay their workers and it was just a mess. So just be careful uh, with that. So I would just keep it simple. Try to find products that are lighter, that are smaller. Uh, so this way here, you don't have to really go with uh, any of that big shipping uh, container type stuff. All right. So that's pretty much going to wrap up this first uh, this first uh, session of Ask Scott, and I'm going to try to do these, like I said, on Fridays, and uh, at least once a week was what we'll do, and we'll try to shoot for once a week, but I'm going to try to shoot for Friday so that way we can kind of be on a schedule, and, uh, and uh, you know, just keep submitting those questions. If you have a question that you want answered, just head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash ask. The other thing I want to put out there, because it's brand new, we just launched a private Facebook group for this podcast. So if you want to join that group and and send in uh, your request, you can head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash FB. That's F as in Frank, B as in boy. And it'll take you right to the page where you can send in a request, and then it may take a few hours before we go ahead and approve you. All right, and uh, it's just a place for us to pick up the conversation, just like this here. There will be a post in there that will have this episode there, and if you want to leave questions or comment or or whatever, you can do it right there inside of the Facebook group. All right, so once again, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I hope this has been helpful. I hope you've enjoyed this format that I'm doing right here. I hope you enjoy the Facebook group, and I hope you, you head over there and say hi, and you'll see a picture over there of me and Brody actually uh, putting on the podcast. He's here again. He's right by my feet taking a little nap. He was snoring before. Uh, you might have heard him. But uh, yeah, he's there too. We got a nice little picture of him. Uh, he's my uh, my co-host, I guess you would call him. Uh, but uh, but yeah, a lot of, lot of cool stuff and it's just been a great ride and you guys have been really awesome in, uh, in, in you know giving me your support. So if you haven't headed over to iTunes yet and left me a review, I'd really love it if you would do that. It helps us rank inside of uh, iTunes just like Amazon and it also gives me feedback and lets me know that... What I'm doing, you're enjoying. Uh, and uh, and if you're not, let me know that too, of course. But uh, yeah, that would be awesome if you could just head over there and do that. So that's it. That's going to wrap up this episode. Once again, I want to say thank you so much. Have a great day, great week, great weekend. Whatever day this is that you're listening to it, like I said, I'm going to try to put these on a Friday. But if it's Monday, hey, have a great week, all right? And uh, get out there and uh, take your business from wherever it is now and just move it a little bit further and we'll catch you in the next episode. Take care.